Well, welcome everybody. Uh, for those who don't know who I am, my name's Josh. I'm the lead pastor here at Downey First Christian Church. And I don't know about you, but I, I could get used to this. This is kind of this is kind of cool. I like it here. Do you guys like it out here? Yeah. Yes, yes. So, you know, whenever we have to go back indoors, we'll go back indoors. But the good thing is that the the church will prevail, no matter which physical space we need to be a part of, because we know that we don't go to church. As Francis would say, we is the church, right? All right, so we're going to do this. We're going to do this. Let's, uh, let's go to our scripture uh, for today. You're going to find this in Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. So if you have a Bible, please look up that scripture. And if not, that's totally fine. Uh, I'm going to read this uh, for you right now. I'm going to take my sunglasses off. So, um, louder? Is it not loud enough? Okay, can you just turn up just a little bit? Is that good? Better? Yes? Okay. So Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11, starting in verse 28. It says, this is, this is one of my favorite verses in Scripture. I think I say that with every verse, but let's just uh, go to Matthew chapter 11. Verse 28 says this. This is Jesus talking. He's saying, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart. This is Jesus talking about himself and you will find what? Rest. You will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So today what I want to talk about is about a burden and I want to talk about a burden that many, many of us probably feel but it's a hard burden to admit that we have because it's a little bit embarrassing and it's the burden of guilt the burden of guilt. I want to talk today about the burden of guilt. But before that, I want us to pray. Lord God, thank you so much for these moments that we share. Thank you, Lord, because I truly believe with all of my heart that you have a message prepared for this morning. And I thank you, Lord, because I believe that you've spoken to me this week. You've challenged me this week. And I pray that my words won't get into in the way of what it is that you want said today. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. We welcome your presence here. And I pray that our hearts will be open and our minds receptive to be able to hear what it is that you want to say this morning. We love you, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. 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 So we're, we're, we've been on a series uh, called Healthy Church. And we're talking about the health of the church. And in the same way that our bodies need to be healthy, you know, we try to eat healthy, we try to exercise, we try, you know, to sleep as much as, as we uh, can so our bodies can be healthy. The same is true for the church. There are certain things as a church that we need to do to make sure that we're healthy as a church. And the important thing for us to understand is that when we talk about the health of the church and we talk about the different things that we need to do as a church to be healthy, we're not talking about this like external entity that we need to do something here so that the church can become healthy. No, the church is us. The church is you and me. So when we talk about the health of the church and we're talking about the spiritual health of the church, this series is really about you and me. So it's, it's us discovering what it is that we need to do spiritually for us to be able to become healthy. And we talked about different things. We've talked about prayer. We've talked about gratitude. We've talked about grace. We've talked about hope. And today I want to talk about guilt. I want to talk about the weight of guilt because I feel like many of us, perhaps we have this, this weight that we're carrying and it's the weight of guilt that, that we have. And we don't want to really talk about it because feeling guilty about something that we've done in the past is really hard to admit and it's really hard to find healing from. And so I want to talk a little bit about that today. And I want to start off with a, with a story. So there's this woman, and she had three daughters. And uh, there, was, there were small daughters, and then she decided to bake a cake. And so she, she baked a cake, she put it in the oven, and then she took the cake out, she put frosting all over it, and she set it out. 
But an hour went by, and then she comes back to check on her cake, and the cake had a big bite out of it. Somebody took a huge bite out of this cake. The cake was a mess. The cake was destroyed. And so she calls in her first daughter and says, hey, did you take a bite out of my cake? And she's like, no, I didn't do it. Okay. So she calls in daughter number two and says, uh, did you take a bite out of my cake? And she says, no, I, I, I didn't do that. Then she calls in daughter number three, and she comes in, and she's got cake all over her face. She's got cake behind her ears. She's got frosting, you know, in her eyes. And then she comes in, and her mom starts laughing. And she says, uh, did you take a bite out of my cake? She's like, no, I didn't take a bite out of your cake. And then she asks her again, are you sure that you didn't take a bite out of the cake? And she's like, no, I didn't do it. So she, she grabs a piece of frosting off of her, of her face and says, look at this. This is frosting on your face. Did you or did you not take a bite out of the cake? She's like, no, I didn't do it. Then who did it? Well, maybe one of my sisters did it. So, so she couldn't help herself from laughing. So when I think about this, and I think about this girl who so evidently had guilt all over her face, I feel like sometimes we present ourselves in the same way before our brothers and sisters and before God. And God looks at us and says, hey, you've done these things. Why don't you just come clean and tell me the truth? Because we can lie to ourselves saying, you know what? What I did wasn't that bad. Or, or, or he's worse than me. Or at least I don't murder people, right? Um, this isn't really cheating on taxes because the government really actually takes money from me. And then God is looking at you and he's looking at me and he's saying, you've got chocolate all over your face. Why don't you just come clean and say it? And so the message for today, listen to this. The, the message for today is not about denying that we're guilty, but it is so that we can be free from the weight of guilt, which is two really different things. But in order for us to be able to do that, first of all, we have to understand what the scripture says about our guilt. Romans 3.23 says this, it says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's us, all of us, all of us. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so what I want to challenge you to do today, and I'm challenging myself to do, is that we will come clean before God. Let's start with that. We make mistakes. We're sinful. We do wrong. We're selfish, ego-centered. We seek our own thing. Like that's our tendency. That is all of our tendencies, and it's my tendency as well. And so picture God looking at you and, and telling you, the sooner you come clean before me, the better. Because we cannot properly receive grace until we all admit that we are sinners in need of a Savior. And honestly, that is not just a one-time thing. That is an everyday thing to where we come clean before God and say, I can't do this by myself. I need you in my life. And I, I don't want this to, to just be something for just a couple of people. Like, I literally want a church filled with people that we can look at each other in the eye and say, I know. Like, I know, let's just come clean with each other. Let's just say, let's, like, we're all sinful. And we need Jesus to save us every day from our sins. Mark 2, 17 says this, On hearing this, Jesus said to them, to the Pharisees, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. And the problem is that I grew up in churches where no one would really admit that they were sinners. And, and, and it's, it's, it's really interesting because picture working in a hospital where no one will admit that they're sick. So like, like you have a broken arm and you're inside the hospital and, and your, your arm is literally hanging off of your shoulder. And a doctor comes up and says, hey, you've, you've got a broken arm. He's like, no, I'm fine. Dude, you literally have your arm 
hanging off of your shoulder. No, no, I'm fine. Dude, that's got to hurt so bad. No, no, I, I, I've got this. Then why are you at the hospital? The same thing can be true in church. You know, church is not a museum where we admire great works of art, namely people. A church is a hospital full of hurting people. And so when Jesus says in this verse, he says, I have come not for the healthy, but for the sick, I get hopeful because I'm sick. I need a savior. So that means that Jesus came for me and he came for you. But we have to come clean before him so that we can receive healing. This is so important. And so this is what I want to talk a little bit about this morning, because I feel strongly that you have sin in your life. In fact, I know for a fact that you have a sin in your life that you're dealing with right now. And you know why I know that? Because so am I. And the sooner we come clean with this, the better we will be and the more free from the weight of guilt we will be. So here's the problem with admitting sinfulness. And here's the problem with admitting our, our guilt is that it's shameful. We, we associate sin and guilt, we associate it with, with shame. And when we're ashamed of our guilt, we do one of two things. We do one of two things, or both. And th these two things I want to talk about today. When we're ashamed, we do one of two things. Number one, we try to compensate, which means we try to do things to be able to compensate for the bad that we do. So we do bad, so we try to do more good than bad. That's one thing. And the other thing, um, when we have guilt, is we try to cover it up. We try to cover it up. Meant, oh, I'm not going to, everything's great. So you wear this mask that shows everyone that you've got it all together when you know on the inside that you don't. And so I want to talk about these two things real quick. I want to talk about compensation, and then I want to talk about hiding, about covering up your sin. So compensation, what is compensation? Well, I'm going to use an example to explain what it means to try to compensate for your sin. I grew up as a missionary kid in South America, in Chile. And one of the things that we have in Chile is a big Catholic culture. But the, but the perspective of Catholicism in South America has really a lot to do with like Santeria and it has to do with uh, the Virgin Mary and how you have to do all these things in order to be forgiven. So let me give you just an example. We have different Catholic churches uh, in Chile and lots of Catholic churches are associated with a Virgin Mary, like a version of Mary. And so the one that's close to where I live was um, La Virgen de Lovaques. And so Loakis. And so one of the things that La Virgen de Lovaskis would do is she would free you from guilt and she would heal your sick and all these things. And so every year there is this pilgrimage, this 15 mile walk that people would do. And some would walk it. Others would go on their knees. Others would, what's that called? Kind of go, you know, on the ground, kind of like military all the way. Others would carry crosses. Others would whip themselves as they were going. And the reason for that is because either they wanted for someone in their family to be healed or they wanted to be freed from some sort of guilt that they're going through. And this may seem to you like an exaggeration, but I think that what is true for these people can in a way also be true for us in the sense that we try, we'll try to compensate for the things that we do wrong, instead of being freed from it, we try to do some things that will be good things that will make the bad things that we do seem less bad. And I'm not judging because I'm the same way. That's, that's kind of the mentality that I grew up with, thinking that I had to do things to be able to compensate. I felt guilty all the time because I thought that if I sinned and then I, I was hit by a bus 
and I didn't confess my sin before I was hit by that bus that I was going to burn in hell because I forgot that one sin. I kept thinking this way because I thought that my sins somehow needed to be compensated for. And if I didn't compensate for these sins, then I was still liable for those sins. So I have to remind myself all the time, and I'm reminding you this morning of Romans 8.1, which says, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Jesus Christ. So that's compensation. We try to compensate. And, and, and compensation will never be enough to lift the weight of guilt. So now we're going to talk about hiding. The whole idea of hiding our sins so no one can see our sin. I also grew up in an environment where, where sin was hidden. So you would hide sin. And here was the theory. The theory was, the theory was when you give your life to Jesus, like either you get baptized or you mark the card or you do the prayer, or you do whatever it is to, to receive Jesus in your heart, that the result of that was that now you lived a perfectly sinless life. And so the problem with that is that you would walk into an environment where everyone seemed to be perfect. Like you would walk in and that was almost intimidating because everyone had big smiles on their face and everyone was saying, God bless you and how are you doing? I am so blessed and everything seemed so perfect that you wanted to be a part of that life. How do I get there? Well, you give your life to Jesus. And then your life will be like that. And so you, you make the decision to get baptized. And then you get baptized. And then you walk out. And the first two weeks, it's like great. It's like walking, you know, you're walking on, on, on cloud nine because Jesus is in your life. And then it seems like, like you're sinning less and you have better thoughts and all this kind of stuff. But then time goes by and you realize that, oops, I fell again into the same patterns that I fell into before. I looked at this website that I wasn't supposed to look like that I thought was taken care of as a result of my baptism. I yelled at my wife again. I drank a little bit too much like I used to. And all of a sudden you ask yourself, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. What happened? I thought that when I got baptized, the result of that, that I was going to be now sinless. And then you would look at the rest of the congregation and you realize that they seem to be sinless. Why am I not sinless? And what happens then? You start to fake it just like everybody else. That's the problem. That is the problem. We are not called to hide our sin. We are called to, to come clean. That's why this is the type of church that I want to be a part of. Matthew 23 talks about the Pharisees being whitewashed tombs, which meant on the outside they look perfect, but on the inside they are spiritually dead. The reason why I'm mentioning that is because this is so important for us to understand that, that we're not called to carry the weight of guilt. We are not called to try to compensate for our sins. We are not called to hide our sins. We are called to come clean before God. So that's compensation and that's hiding. And if we do either one of these, we will never have the weight of guilt lifted from our shoulders. So what I want to give to you today is what I believe will lift the weight of guilt from your shoulders. And I'll, and I'll start with this. The enemy doesn't want you to know this because the enemy is a deceiver. So what I'm about to tell you, I believe the enemy doesn't want you to know it because he wants to get you confused into compensating for your sin and hiding your sin. So what I'm about to tell you, I believe that, that if you understand it and if I understand it, we will be freed from guilt and the enemy does not want you to live that way because he wants you to feel guilty. So here's how the enemy works. The enemy is deceitful. He's not walking around dressed in red with horns and a pitchfork. That's not Satan. 
He would like us to believe that, but it's not. He wants us to, to confuse him with something else. And I grew up like this. I grew up thinking that sometimes the things that the enemy does was actually things that God does, and then what God does is what the enemy actually does. Have you ever confused someone with someone else? I went to Target the other day, and there was this, this lady. She was dressed in red, and I came up to her, and I asked her, uh, I asked her for directions. And she looked at me, and she's like, I don't work here. I thought she worked. I mean, she, it was, all the signs showed me that she worked there. It was kind of embarrassing. But I think that can happen with, with, to us with the enemy as well. He wants to be confused. Let me give you an example. Let me, let's, just say, let's just say that you're, you're dealing with a sin. There's a sin that you're, that you're dealing with. It's either maybe you're, you're lusting. Maybe there's lies in your life, gossip. There's that sin that's your sin and that you tend to fall into. Okay, here's what the enemy does. And he's not creative. He's been doing the same thing since the beginning. He deceives you. And so he'll say, he'll say, he'll say the, the sin's right there. And he's like, that's not that bad. Don't worry about it. You, you, you deserve this. You know, this isn't really sin, not technically sin, because there's no scripture in the Bible that specifically says that you can't do that. It'll be good. It's fine. You deserve this. That's the enemy talking to you, which I thought was God giving me a pass. And so I would walk and I would fall into that sin. And you know what the enemy does? Then he switches out and he turns into the accuser. He used to be the encourager, right? Which he's never that. That's God. And then on the other side, he condemns you. The same person that was encouraging you to do that, saying, oh, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. Then he starts condemning you and he says, you are a sinner. You should be ashamed of yourself. You've learned nothing. You're worthless. And you call yourself a Christian? That's the enemy. Honestly, I used to think that was God. I used to think that after I would fall into a sin, that God was right there waiting for me, judging me. That's what I thought God would do. But that's not what he does. So I have to remind myself all the time. That's why Romans 8, 1, I'm going to read it again. It says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You see, when you think about how Jesus looks at your sin and looks at your guilt, I, don't want, I want you to forget about that story. That story that sometimes you tell yourself to where you fall into sin and then the enemy's on the other side and you think that that's God. God is not that. He is, the reaction to, to your sin is the way that he reacted to the woman caught in adultery. Do you guys remember that story? The woman caught in adultery. What is it that, that Jesus did? So everyone was focused on the external of what this woman had done. And they were about to throw rocks at her, right? All about the external. And then Jesus, what did Jesus do? This is not who you are, talking to the woman con adultery. Go and sin no more. You don't have to live like this anymore, is what Jesus would tell her. So this is Jesus. Now, condemnation and guilt are from the enemy. And maybe that's what you feel about today, about your sin. Maybe that, that's the way you process your sin. But Jesus placed all of our sins on himself. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So when we place guilt on ourselves, we are taking weight off of Jesus. We're almost acting like he, he needs our help. And so for many of us, following Jesus becomes like a burden, a heavy burden. And I want to lift that burden off today. I want, I want Christ to be able to lift 
the burden of the weight of guilt off of your shoulders. So what I want us to do today is I want us to defy the enemy by asking you to stop trying to compensate for your sin and to stop trying to hide your sin. This is so important because, because sin is no longer the issue. We have to understand this. We, we are past that. So I want to re replace the word guilt. When you think about the word guilt, I want you to replace the word guilt for, for a much better word. And I'm going to tell you this word. And when you replace the word guilt for this word that I'm about to tell you, I believe it's going to help you lift the weight of guilt. And the word is conviction. Conviction. You see, guilt says, please listen to this. I know you're listening, but please listen to this. It's so important. Con guilt says, this is your fault. Conviction says, I need to move forward. Guilt says, I am a bad person. Conviction says, Jesus made me good. Guilt says, guilt is, is, is born out of bitterness. Conviction is born out of love. Guilt says, I am going to feel sorry about myself. Conviction says, I am going to accept forgiveness and make a difference. Resentment and pushback happen as a result of guilt. Transformation and life change happen as a result of conviction. Guilt is about your old sinful identity. Conviction is about your new identity in Christ. Guilt is about stagnation. Conviction is about moving forward. This is why, this is why Jesus said, follow me and I will show you. See, I want you to understand today that, that you should not carry the weight of guilt because Jesus carried it for you. It's so important. I, I want you to embrace the conviction that, that you are no longer that person, that you have a new identity, and that you don't have to live this way anymore. So I'm going to end with this. I'm going to end with this. Um, have, you ever, have you ever seen people that are, that are stuck in an era? Like they're just stuck in a different era? I can't believe it used to be cool to, to wear Reebok pumps and then tube socks all the way up to your knees and then shorts that are way too short for any man to ever wear, and then a tank top, and a headband. That used to be cool in the 80s. I see a guy dressed like that today, I'm calling the cops. You see, he's stuck in a different era. He's stuck in the 80s. But the same thing can be true for us spiritually. We can be stuck in a different time period where it was all about behavior modification and it was all about being good and doing good and all that kind of stuff and I want to tell you behavior modification is a footnote into the bigger story of redemption because Jesus paid the price for all of it Ephesians 5 8 for you were once in darkness but now you are light in the Lord live as children of light Sin is no longer the issue. No guilt, no condemnation, no need to hide sin, no need to compensate for it. And so here's the thing that I want to tell you before I close. I want to give you the key, the key that's going to allow for the weight of guilt to be lifted from your shoulders. The key is confession. So important, confession, confession. James 5.16 says this, Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. So maybe you're here 
and you've been carrying the weight of guilt. And it's time to let it go. It's time to let it go. It's time to stop hiding it. It's time to stop trying to compensate for it. It's time to confess it. And the result of confession isn't that, oh, now you're saved. Or, oh, now God looks at you favorably. No, no. Confession is a recognition of the fact that you need a Savior and that you can't do this on your own. And so when we talk about confession, this is such an important thing. You see, I told my wife the other day, you know, you know why I love you so much? Well, I love her for a lot of reasons, but what, one of the reasons, the, one of the big ones is she knows the worst thing about me and she still loves me and accepts, and accepts me for who I am. And that pales in comparison to Jesus because Jesus knows our thoughts, our intent. He knows everything. Even that thing that you will never, ever tell anyone, he knows that and he loves you the same. So it's not about guilt. It's about acceptance of the forgiven, the forgiveness that we've been a part of. You know, in my office, I, 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 have, a, I have the privilege to be able to counsel lots of people. And one of the things that is so freeing for people that I'm able to counsel is not because I have these big words of wisdom or that I'm, you know, causing all this breakthrough in people, is because I honestly, I have no, like, I've heard it all. And you're never going to find judgment in my heart. But the reason for that is because I know, I know that God knows me in my most intimate self and he accepts me. And so confession is such a healing thing. And I want to encourage you to do that. Confess to God, confess to one another, and you will be set free. So here's what I want to do. I want us to not be distracted by that bug, first of all. And second of all, I want to ask you to, to bow your heads. Bow your heads and just close your eyes. And this is a moment for you. It's a moment for you. So I want you to ask two questions. We've, we do this a lot. Two questions. I want you to ask the Holy Spirit, number one, what is, it, what is it that you're showing me today? And number two, what is it that you want me to do? Because maybe you're here this morning and there's some confessing that needs to take place, but you're ashamed of your sin. Maybe there's someone you need to talk to. Maybe there's a prayer that you need to do. Maybe there's a phone call that you need to make. And I want to encourage you to do that. You can talk to me. You can talk to Pastor Mark. So I want, I want all of us to be free. To be able to understand that there is no condemnation. Because bottom line is, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. Which means we're all in equal condition. The only difference is we have a Savior that accepts us that doesn't judge us, and that tells us we don't have to live like this anymore. Lord God, we thank you for these moments that we share. Thank you for your love and your mercy, and because you accept us just the way we are. We thank you for the price that you paid on the cross. We thank you because as a result of your sacrifice, we have a before and an after. I want to pray that we won't get stuck in the old and thinking that we have to compensate for our sin, that we have to hide our sin. I pray that we will be able to come clean with one another, knowing that we are all sinners in desperate need of a Savior. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. 
Okay, so now we come to our time of communion. And if you have your communion, I'm going to ask you to, to pull it out now. I think I have one here. Thank you. I thought I had one. Um, so we have this um, communion here. And we've got two elements. One is the juice that represents the blood of Christ that was shed for the forgiveness of our sins. And we have the, the bread that represents the body of Christ that was broken for us. And so we're going to partake of these. And let's start. We'll start with the first one, the first layer here. This is, this is the body of Christ. And this is the blood of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, so much for these moments. Thank you, Lord, because you remind us of what you've done for us. Thank you, God, because you've invited us into a life of freedom, freedom from sin. We're no longer slaves to sin. You've taken care of sin on the cross. Sin is a footnote in a much bigger story of redemption. Thank you, Lord, because when we follow you, the natural result of our relationship with you is a transformed life. We don't transform our own lives to be able to be close to you. No, you accept us for what we are and then you transform us from the inside out. We love you so much for that, and I pray that we will get that today, Lord, that that will come into our hearts. We love you, we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.